Welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. My name is Michael, I am a chaser, and today I am a soccer-playing soccer boy. Uh, I think for the, for the first time in my life, I will be playing uh, two days in a row, two soccer games. Like, So usually I need this recovery period because I get really, really sore. Well, I have discovered through a tip from some, from one of our listeners, actually, this incredible invention <gasps> where uh, basically I can help like use this massage gun thing to recover muscles after a soccer game. And now I feel totally fine. Wow. I played last night. I'm going to play tonight. It's amazing. Amazing. Yay! I'm so excited, <laughs> as you can tell. Uh, my name's Don Marshall. I'm a big chubby guy living in sunny Hollywood. And today I am a sad, toothless, toothy boy. I cracked oh. a tooth last night. What? Oh, no. I have to wait until tomorrow to see my dentist. Oh, so no. I am grouchy. How are you speaking right now? Because we got to do it. <laughs> Life goes on. There's what else you can do. Um, yeah, I took some ibuprofen and I'm just trying to figure out how to find like, uh, like what sort of soft foods I can eat today. Uh, yeah. Oh no. My name is Dan Oliverio. I'm an author, public speaker and official chubby chaser. Um, and today, today, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm still fascinated by our previous conversation about land masses. Oh yeah. There was a whole like 15 minute discussion about. Mesas. Archipelagos. Archipelagos in my Peninsulas. favorite and my very favorite word, isthmus. In isthmus <laughs> for Christmas. Oh boy. You're on. Uh, I'm Trevor Keyson. I'm a super chub. And I today I'm a I'm a dungeon-y master Yay! master boy. Yes, you I are. led my first uh, game, not of Dungeons and Dragons, but of uh, Monster of the Week. Yeah, he did. I, I, I am I'm the dungeon master now. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. But anyway. We digress. We're we got our own we, shenanigans. We have today. a show to do. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's this is one of those days where, uh, you know, last week we had a nice, uh, you know, um, the, the cookie was happy, and the cream filling was depressing. I want to say maybe it's the reverse today. Uh, it's an uh oh Oreo, uh, bummer to start you out. And um, anything medical related yeah. is usually. Um, and I, bummers, bummer town, population, everybody, (laughs) this ties to so much that we've talked about that it was almost like, do I really, do do we need, should I share this? But I think it's important. Um, I think also just for, you know, know, non-fat people, for allies, um, for people to share maybe with, uh, doctors in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, it's an NBC story about, um, the, the headline is an ongoing nightmare people with obesity face major obstacles when seeking medical care. Uh, And it specifically kind of goes into the case of Laura Baker who had brain cancer and was unable to get a CT scan because of her size. Um, And I've heard this story cited a lot Mm -hmm. um, by different fat activists when talking about medical bias. And it's, there's not, I I don't really know what to say other than just, it's horrible. It's frustrating. It it comes in two forms. It, it, you know, it's, well, it comes in more than two forms, but the, the two that I'm put in mind of from this story is that there's the medical bias, which is we're not even going to give you a test mm-hmm. because you're fat. That's our test. You, yeah. you flunked our fat test. That's your diagnosis. You're fat. So yeah. stop it. But if they get beyond that, then there's the more mechanical problem of finding a machine that will accommodate someone of size mm-hmm. uh, or so that th- that can be. That can be a major challenge depending on the on the region you live in. Um, 
some people have had more more luck with like stand up MRIs or lay down MRIs. I know for me, when I was having a lot of stuff done with my shoulder, I don't fit in the MRI. Like they were always trying to like, well, if you if you lean over this way and if you if you bunch your oh no, the, the pic image isn't coming out well because you're too scrunched in there. I know I'm scrunched in there. <laughs> yeah. It's me. So I, I, I can don't feel fit, it. I don't. My shoulders don't fit in the MRI. It, they're tiny. They're tiny little cigar tubes. So I don't know how any, anybody does. Well, I mean, I was supposed to have a MRI done of my knee at one point and they they just couldn't accommodate me. Well, but there was no way to do it. But yeah. can't they just put you in the other way and just put your knee in? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know why, but I think they said there was a weight limit to the machine. Oh, and I was above well, the weight limit. Well, that's what this, in this case, yeah. that was the issue as well. I Even see. though I, she did not exceed was, the weight limit, mm. they still said, you know, we can't accommodate you. Yeah, well, well, you know, fat people lie all the time, Michael. <laughs> it was surprisingly low. Absolutely the weight limit was surprisingly low. For the one that they told Yeah, it was like three it was like three hundred. Yeah, because it'll go up to 150 oh. kilograms and because that's the cheaper model. If you wanted to go up yeah. to two hundred kilograms or three hundred kilograms, you gotta pay three or four times that of price. Oh, I mean, might be so making this when up. When we pay twenty thousand dollars for our medical care, that goes where exactly? <laughs> yeah. I, I might I mean, be making this up in my head, but I seem to remember them saying, like, well, we have this other facility you could go to that's a veterinary facility. Yeah. Like, so they, the article talks about that, and I've heard people talk about it, but I've also heard, like, the places are like, yeah, I don't know why they sent you here. We don't scan humans. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, a friend of mine, very good friend of mine who's a super chub, he was told, and the, the, the technician was extremely apologetic but didn't want to withhold the information. I mean, so the, the guy is like, crawling out of his skin saying this, but he said, you should try the zoo. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. I know I, I know somebody that had to do that. Yeah. I'm assuming, like, from what Trevor said, like, somebody might not know how to do that, but then I have heard the zoo story before. Yep. And clearly that's, I don't know, that's got to come from somewhere, right? I like, first thought when Trevor said, like, you know, oh, sorry, we don't do humans here. Like, it's fine. My doctor doesn't see me as human anyway. Yeah, mm. perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, but I mean, I so, you know, Don, you have the story about being told, um, like, you not not being able to get the MRI. I know I had to get an MRI and I could not get an answer about, I'm like, I do not. And, you know, I needed the, the dye injection. Mm. I'm like, I am not t- letting you inject me until I know that this machine will accommodate me. And it was the biggest hassle in the world to find out that they were able to accommodate me, but it was like, Oh, well, it'll probably be fine. I'm like, I want to know exactly what the weight limit is so that I know before you inject me with radioactive dye <laughs> that I will be able to do this. Cause I'm like, if it's not going to work, I'm not going to, you know, yeah, I'm not going to let you inject. That seems me. like a reasonable request. And, to it was the, and I was trying to make it easier on everyone. And I was getting such flack for it. It, yeah. was, no, it was so frustrating. It, it is the smart thing to do. Yeah. Like I've, I, so if, you, so one time I was going in for a procedure, right. And uh, finding out in advance, if your doctor is there is not something that you should have to do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I went in, they injected me with like all the sedatives mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I'm lying naked on a table and nurse comes up to me and hands me, hands me a phone. And I hear the doctor on the other side going like, yeah, there was a problem with scheduling. Um, <laughs> do you mind if we reschedule this? I'm like, I'm about to pass out. You are fucking doing this. Right. I don't care where you are. Holy shit. I think he was on the golf course. And I'm not kidding because I heard people behind him. Oh, my God. <laughs> my God. Well, I will say this. Um, I know somebody who is super chub sized, um, whatever that means, like very big and um, had to get. Oh, 
I'm going to forget what kind of scan. I think it was an MRI. And there were, there was most of the um, hospitals in the area could, did not have one that would accommodate him, but there was one, like one specific hospital did have an MRI machine Mm -hmm. that he could fit into. So it's not impossible. Like these things do exist. They're just less common. They're less common and more Mm -hmm. expensive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they're less common because they're more expensive. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. not necessarily for the patient because you're not paying for the equipment per se, but you for, are paying for the availability of that equipment. Yeah. I mean, we're lucky here in LA, we have a lot of choices. Yeah. Uh, but if you're in some other area, not necessarily. Right. Uh, so, I mean, it's more of an awareness story. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, th- I think we're also probably preaching to the choir, but I think it bears, you know, yeah. bears repeating. But I think what Trevor did is the smart thing to do that we should all learn from is plan ahead yeah you know figure out what you know what your concerns are in advance and make sure they're answered well it, it, and it, as you have talked about before this idea of self-advocacy mm-hmm. which is even worse when you're sick which is even yeah. worse when you're scared mm-hmm. you know because apparently to them injecting you with radioactive dye ain't no thing yeah but <laughs> <laughs> what i mean it's I, probably it, fine Trevor. It, it, you know it, it, it knocked out my uncle's kidneys but you know he, he was he was old <laughs> Yeah, this is probably a bunch of other reasons for that. Yeah. yeah. Now shut up. <laughs> but uh, not all is dark in the world. Um, Nicole Byer is getting her first stand-up special at Netflix. Yay! Yay. And they have a good track record. Yeah. So this specials. is Nicole Byer, who is the host of Nailed It. Yes. Which mm-hmm. is the first place I ever saw her. And boy, did I fall in love with her during that show. Mm. Mm. Um, I think, uh, so it's actually, I, I should say her, it's her first special, her first hour long special, because I think she's been part of other specials. Like other specials, but this is just all all Nicole Byer. Um, all Byer all the time. Yes. Love to hear it. Love to see it. I'm very excited. I She's just so funny. I just, I love her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's being filmed in, uh, September 5th. So uh, presumably it'll take a couple months to put it together. But I would think by the end of this year, we would get to see that. Oh, the lyrics. Yeah. 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 I mean, Netflix does one thing well: content. They <laughs> they produce. They so, God damn, do they put out a lot of stand up? I mean, you know, Michael, they might have it edited before she does the show. That's my, well. I mean, I guess if I don't know if they shoot it live and they have a live, I don't know. Maybe they'll put it out faster than that. I would be very. They're gonna they're gonna film it like football. It's gonna be a live broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's baked in. And uh, rolling light, r- rolling right along. <gasps> Fat Watch. I knew it. It's here again every week, every episode. It's 2021, and we have uh, more joy. It's a, a weird double inside-out Oreo. Uh, <laughs> maybe um, an or what's the uh, an Oreo Mobius strip? <laughs> um, it is both cookie and cream on uh, both sides. Who taught you that? <laughs> <laughs> Dan's actually, Dan actually made me um, a bunch of paper Mobius strips one time. Oh, <laughs> nerd. Because I, because I love him. <laughs> um, but this, so this story is actually, um, it's from NPR and it's older, but I've been seeing it pop back up um, in other places. Uh, there is a tattoo artist named Kiri Metz, I'll try to get this right, Caporuso, um, who Caporuso. has been doing these roll flower tattoos Mm-hmm. Um, celebrating fat bodies, and she talks about in the uh, the interview, basically l- sitting down and looking in the mirror at her fat body, and thinking about tattoos and ways to accentuate her body and accentuate the roles. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's really creative yeah. because the she does exactly that. She basically, the ones in the picture, and I don't know if they do them more than just in the back, but the ones in the article basically take sort of the way that, you know, a fat person's back would naturally fold and roll, like in the sort of lower back, mid back region, and takes those rolls and, and um, tattoos flowers and sort of intricate, delicate shapes into it to incorporate the shape basically into the stem of the flower. And it looks really beautiful because mm. you get shading and and shadow right where that happens that adds to the actual form, like the art of the tattoo and makes it more than just ink on skin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's really pretty. That's great. I like it because I was listening to this uh, speaker and it was fat related, but it was like very negative and very self-loathing. And he talked about how he, he had these tattoos all over his body, but it was like solid black on his arms and shoulders, chest, and like basically his entire torso completely like blacked out in ink. Um, and he talked about how he loved it because he's like, I can finally take off my shirt at the pool. Oh my God. Cause it's like, because he just, it covered up his body. Um, Interesting. And I like that this is like the complete inverse of that. Cause that's really always stuck with me. And like, I, I just that I don't know. That was a very unpleasant uh, thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to. Wow. Like he just tattooed his clothing right onto his body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. His clothing? Well, no, it was I mean, just. I mean, it was basically like he's always wearing a shirt. Yeah. Oh, okay. I misunderstood. I thought. Okay. Yeah. And it's black, so I guess in theory it's sort of. It's going to look very like slim. You're always going to look like Steve Jobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was there a turtleneck tattooed as well? <laughs> no. <laughs> um. But I like the idea of tattoos as kind of pieces. I don't want to say accentuating flaws, but accentuating part of the body that people might normally want to cover up or draw attention away from. Mm -hmm. um, like there's a lot of tattoo artists that do work with uh, scars, mm -hmm. but like incorporating the way the scar tissue mm -hmm. um, is different normally than skin. Yeah. I, I, I like that too, because it shows a certain like there's, there is bravery to that and mm -hmm. displaying this part of yourself as opposed to, you know, like Trevor saying, covering it up mm -hmm. or, or just ignoring it entirely. Well, and I think it's an, a real triumph of empowerment because you've not only given up trying to hide it and you're not celebrating it like with arrows and neon mm -hmm. is like, look at this, look <laughs> at this, which, which is sort of that worst aspect of, I mean, one of the reasons we have body neutrality is because body positivity can be a little cloying. Like, mm. it's so beautiful. Mm. Like, okay, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so what I like about this is it's actually using a physical feature that is not common to everyone and using it as the basis of something artistic. It may, mm. it, 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 it doesn't hide it, but it also doesn't have arrows going towards it. You know, mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's, it's creating something new with it. Yeah. Um, it reminds me a bit of the, um, what, Trevor, you'll know this, where they, uh, uh, the Japanese potter tradition of when something is cracked, they fill it with gold. Oh, um, do, do people know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. So like it, the idea is that you want to highlight the beauty of what's happened to it rather than try to erase, mm -hmm. erase the flaw, which is mm -hmm. never going to happen. If you think of like a porcelain bowl, you're never going to erase the crack. Right. But what you can do is fill that crack with gold and create something beautiful out of this new form. Mm -hmm. Nice. I like that philosophy. Yeah. Well, uh, in that vein, kind of, uh, <laughs> we can yeah. 
um, transition, we can take the take the flaws of. Uh, we're back on fat suits again, people. Yeah. So. Oh, fat suits. Fat suits. Which Don was saying, like, aren't we past this? Mm-hmm. No, Haven't we're we? so No, not. we're not. I, it's the big <sighs> fat gay fat suit. I, but we're going to fill it in with gold. Yes. <laughs> so I just, I was hesitant. because So there's three th- things we're going to be, three projects we're going to be talking about. And I kept seeing them come up and I was like, are we really? I know we talk a lot about fat suits. The person in trapped in their car is screaming at us like again again with the fat suits still and like yes i am i'm with you and we were trying to think of a way to talk about this and package it and like put a spin on it because we're also sick of fat suits too listener <laughs> dear listener so the the three it, I, um can i just say i feel like every time the fat suit shows up is for fat people what Asian people are expecting whenever we hear a gong on a show. (laughs) It's the exact same thing. It's like, oh, here we go. All right, brace yourself. (laughs) So the three properties we're talking about. um, One is the movie House of Gucci, which that looks good uh, outside of the fact that apparently they felt the need to put uh, Jared Leto playing Paolo Gucci in a fat suit, which Trevor was saying. It's the, even, the guy's it's not even more remarkable because not. Paolo Gucci is not fat. <laughs> the what? It's, uh, and just, uh, I would say, an absurd level of prosthetics. A lot of prosthetics. I mean, they. I didn't recognize him. I yeah. had to look at your list to see that that was Jared Leto playing Which, him. like, at that point, why cast? I mean, I get, I get like, because Jared Leto. And Jared Leto can win an award for his portrayal. Well, and I think it's beyond that too. Then you also get to have all the, all the free publicity of like, and he doesn't even look like Jared Leto. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Oh, and we yeah, can have yeah. 65 articles about well, that. Yeah. And you know, maybe our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's, maybe that legit is part of it. It's part of the advertising. No, it's mm. because you know, when you've got these mega movies, you're trying to get all the free stuff you can. Yeah. And one way to create publicity that is not paying for it is you create a controversy it doesn't even matter if the controversy is necessary or true, but if you create a controversy, you can get somebody writing about it. It's free press. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the other one is uh, American Crime Story Impeachment with Sarah Paulson, who with- I love. I love Sarah Paulson. She yeah. is a, a I have tour de force. Nothing against her ever. Mm-hmm. But they put her in a fat suit to play Linda Tripp, which that's again like, in- and also a. A lot of prosthetics. The story, it's about Bill Clinton being impeached for... We might need to remind some listeners that Linda Tripp was the person who convinced Monica Lewinsky to save the dress and uh, to go on this political adventure that became the impeachment. Yes. Right. And the show, to anyone wondering, is also apparently produced by, or executive produced by Monica Lewinsky. Yes. So she has some ownership over it. But the point is that Sarah Paulson is in a fat suit to play Mm. Linda Tripp. Um... Because apparently there are no fat actresses in Hollywood. Never seen one. Not a one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With this one, I, I, I'll give them an ounce of credibility simply because it is an anthology show where they always use the same cast. I'm not but buying that. I'll give them an inch on this one. You know, if it's an anthology yeah. show, maybe they should have picked a different subject that they well, could have Or maybe have I a fat actor in their stable that they could. That's what I go <laughs> yeah. to. You know, I would well, suggest if you're doing an anthology series, a large amount of the population is fat cast at well, least one fat person to play some of the fat people. But and we I, have some but suggestions. I think, yeah. I, uh, Sarah Paulson, I think, is really the only person returning. Like, they do have all these oh, other really? actors coming in. It's not... Oh, I thought they were doing the same thing that they did with American Horror no. Story. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Because this is what, American Crime Story? Yes. The anthology? Yeah. Which is uh, also produced by... Um, 
Oh, uh, who's the guy? Who's the guy? Ryan guy? Murphy. Ryan Murphy. Yeah, Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Uh, and the final thing we're going to talk about is Dune, which I feel like we've probably talked about at some it's, point. Just because it it's came like, out briefly in pop culture. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, this is the one I'm really angry yeah, about. Is uh, Stellan Skarsgård as Baron Harkonnen? Yeah. Such a poor was, choice. Such a poor and choice. It, once again, famously very very fat character. Um, so the spin that we're taking is we are going to recast these movies and shows. Yes. We are going to. Um, we've put together a little list of of actors and actresses that we think could be really good in these roles, and we're going to go around and talk about who we think should, would be best to play these parts. Um, because frankly, we're all <laughs> convinced, inexplicably convinced, that a fat actor could actually play these parts well. I can't imagine why. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of fat actors play fat very well. Well, <laughs> let's, it's let's, just so hard when you get pigeonholed. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, but clearly there's, there's some good options out there and, um, I think we should dive right in. Uh, let's start with house of Gucci because I think this is, it's just the most ridiculous one of the three. Like it, the character is not fat. So let's start with that. <laughs> yeah. But if we gonna... have a fat actor playing this role, they decided the character was fat in the movie. So we'll accept that mm-hmm. fiction. Um, do we want to go through the actors? We kind of have the short list that we have first. No, I think we just pitch who we want. Okay. Yeah. okay. All right. Go for it. Cause otherwise why bring them up? Yeah. Uh, I thought that David Harbour, so, and because Paolo, because Paolo Gucci isn't fat, I thought the the version of David Harbour that also isn't fat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, wait actually, a second. <laughs> but he actually looks, that he could pass for Paolo Gucci. Mm-hmm. If you look at the beginning of Black Widow, that, that David Barber, mm-hmm. that looks like that actually could pass for Paolo Gucci. That, that would be my vote. Interesting, interesting. Okay, I can see it. I, I The only reason I sort of skipped over David Harbour was purely because... Like he's got he's got a lot of stuff going on. Like I don't. Mm-hmm. Think oh, he doesn't he really need this. Yeah. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> um, and I, I was like, I was looking for somebody who I thought would do a really good job and who could use another break. Which, to, so my selection um, is uh, an actor named Cameron Britton who played. Oh God, what's the character's name or the the real person? He played um, Ed Kemper, serial yes. killer Ed Kemper in Mindhunters, which is a David Fincher show mm-hmm. about serial killers. And the, all of the buzz after that show came out, like a lot of the advertising around that show and like clips that came out were him mm-hmm. playing that role and playing it so uncannily. And I, I actually watched a comparison. It was a, I think it was an acting coach who was comparing like the yeah. real um, Ed Kemper versus um, Cameron Britton's interpretation. He was like, this is somebody who is not doing a mimicry. He's not, he's not trying to perfectly mime Ed Kemper. He is embodying the role and he is taking the role on so fully that you believe him and he's evoking the person as opposed to just mimicking the person. I, I agree I, with that I, It's a little thing we like to call acting. Acting, sure. <laughs> but you do see like a lot no, of actors t- will totally only right. get yeah. the superficial right and you don't quite believe them. And so or I like think, an SNL, in an SNL parody, you, 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 you get the surface impression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. sure. And in this sense, because he's played a real life person before, it's a dramatic role, I think, I think he would have done a fantastic job with and that. And he was terrifying. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. the next thing I saw him in was uh, Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. And so I complete transformation did not recognize him until my roommate told me, Oh, it's that guy mm-hmm. had no idea. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. And he's not, um, I think his weight fluctuates a fair amount. So like he's, he's fatter. I think in uh mine hunters, he's, he's, he's heavier than he is currently. So I think somewhere in that range, 
Um, I think he could easily slot, and clearly they made the choice to make the character fat in this movie. Which I don't get it all. So we'll, but we'll just yeah. stick with that fiction and say if it's a fat character, this is the fat actor we think would yeah, do, and I think fair. he would do a fantastic job. Um, I think Nick Offerman mm, could be, be an interesting. interesting choice, and I don't think I've seen him play a serious role. Remind people who Nick Offerman. Nick is. Offerman, uh, Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. He plays Ron Swanson. Or Megan yes. Mullally's husband. Megan Mullally's yes. husband. Or Dev. If you've seen Devs, he plays the big uh, the big CEO. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he also has his show that I'm forgetting the name of, but it's a carpentry show that he yes. hosts, co-hosts with um, Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler. I, I haven't seen Devs, so I don't know. He's amazing in it. He's, I feel like there's so much there with him. And I think comedians, especially comedic actors, especially who frequently get these roles, do have an edge to them that they don't get to explore. And I would love to see Nick Offerman be able to do that. I, I think he definitely gets it in devs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I've, I've seen before Nick Offerman blew up on television. I knew him from stage plays in Los Angeles. Cause mm-hmm. I'd gone oh, to see him. Interesting. So I've seen him in a lot of really cool and edgy stuff. And then like all of a sudden he becomes this, comedian guy on Parks and Rec, <laughs> which is like confusing to me. <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. But so you have the total opposite. Yeah, I have the mm. opposite impression because I don't know him as a comedian. I know him as a really serious, deep, intense actor. Mm. Uh, okay, all right. Who, guess what, can also do comedy. Like, what a shock. Well, I think part, <laughs> like his the hallmark of his comedy is that he's so deadpan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's fucking yeah. hilarious because he's so deadpan. I, I'm actually with Trevor. I'd picked out Nick Offerman for pretty much the same reasons. Mm. I'd love to see him stretched into a more dramatic direction, which I haven't seen before. So, yep. Cool. Um, any of these choices would have been better than Jared Leto. Can we start, can we start with that? <laughs> yes. like, any, it just, well, why is he in it? Why the hell is that man in this show? Yeah. Maybe he does a really good Italian accent. <laughs> yes. I'm, I like I'm, the meatball. <laughs> yes. I'm sure this, this, uh, uh, this forgotten boy from Louisiana can do a really good Italian accent. That's why they hired him. <laughs> All right. Um, so scooting right on down to American Crime Story, this is uh, Bill Clinton being impeached on TV mm-hmm. once more. Yeah. Um, Linda, so Tripp Linda Tripp has a very distinctive look. Oh yeah. my gosh, very she distinctive. does. Yeah. She does. Very, yeah. yeah. And I remember her voice very specifically. Yes. And, it, and, and Linda yeah. Tripp is the real life person upon whom the role is based, yeah. which is being played by Sarah Paulson. I have a completely different idea for the role. I really wonder if we all, if any of us picked the same part, because when I saw the, the actress I picked, I was like, holy crap, she looks just like her like mm-hmm. this is this is perfect but i don't want to go first somebody else go first i'll go first dan you go uh i thought jennifer coolidge oh interesting i, I, I thought yeah. jennifer coolidge would nail her both in the physical appearance and probably i mean i think like you guys were saying about nick offerman i i have only seen jennifer coolidge in kind of the offbeat comedic roles mm-hmm. if you're wondering who she is i think of her mostly from Legally Blonde, mm-hmm. where she plays the salon, the salon stylist who uh, gets together <laughs> yeah. with the UPS yeah. driver. I want a hot dog real bad. <laughs> yeah, the, the, what is it? The snatch and grab. The bend and snap. The bend and snap. So uh, <laughs> that's, I mean, that to me is when people say the name. That's who I. That's the mm-hmm. role I think of. She has done so much more than that. Uh, but I think because of her facial structure and because of her acting chops, I think she would be an ideal choice. She's another Trump. one where like Nick Offerman, we're like, I think she's a comic genius, mm-hmm. but I don't think I've seen her in much dramatic stuff. And I would well, like she to. is now in something called White Lotus, White Lotus, which is just get, getting amazing yeah. reviews. But that's See, a comedy, mm-hmm. is it? It's a comedy. It, yeah. So yeah. I was I was thinking Jennifer 
Coolidge, but I didn't go with her. But I think she's such a tour de force. And I feel like, like, I don't know if she would be, if she could do this because I just think of <laughs> like, it's, I, I was thinking of an example and it's like, she is. You Hollywood exec, you can't think of her in this role. Come on. Well, no, it's like, <laughs> I think of her almost like in and out where it's like the, it's a very limited menu. Like we just get the same things of Jennifer Coolidge, but she does them so well mm-hmm. that it's like, why would you, why would you cast her in anything else? I, I think it's even more than that. She does it well to the point where it defines it. My, mm-hmm. yes. Michael is cracking up. And I need I'm another. sorry. I was, I, this is now this is so off topic, whichever said, Tour de he first. said tour de first and I, <laughs> I was imagining a, a bunch of cats riding bikes through France <laughs> that's it that's yes. that's the whole bit there's nothing else there All right. so anyway got that off my chest so who did you pick Trevor I picked so I went through a couple Jennifer Coolidge just because it's like she's really hot right now and I would love to see her in something else mm. um, I actually uh I was torn between Miranda Hart, mm-hmm. who I feel like has just a completely different physicality, but I feel like she just her facial structure and her demeanor and just even um, her. She's really tall. She just has I think she could embody For people who don't know who she is right away. Uh, yes. Miranda Hart is she was in the Melissa McCarthy movie Spy, Spy. recently. Yeah. Uh, she had her own show, Miranda, on yes. BBC. She was on uh Call the midwife, which yes. is probably the most I, American. I just thought from. she was way too young and pretty for this. Role. And more recently, she's, well, she's older Emma. now. Okay. She's a little. She's a little older now. Uh, more recently, she was also in Emma, which you might have seen her in, which is the movie. The um, oh wait, I I'm think confusing you're, you're, with somebody else. Pride and Prejudice. That's Pride and Prejudice. I, never I, th- I'm th- I think you're thinking of who I went with. Joy Nash. Yes, yes. You went with Joy Nash. Okay, yes. so I went with Miranda Hart to see. You know, okay, but, I also okay. went with Miranda Hart. Now I get. Ah, interesting. Now I'm sticking with Jennifer. No, and I think. I mean, just because, like, I, I feel the same way about Sarah Paulson, where it's like she's too, I feel like Sarah Paulson's too young. Um, I feel like I want to see, I want Joy Nash to have more work, and I want to see her in this role, and I then I want her to be mm. part of the Ryan Murphy stable. <laughs> I, would, I would say something else, though, about this role, which and you touched on it before when you talked about Linda Tripp. Linda Tripp is a confection. Like if you look at photographs of her, this mm-hmm. is a woman who is, I wouldn't go far as, as far as to say Tammy Faye Baker, <laughs> but she is very self-consciously putting a look on herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like she's not just showing up. Like there's, there's a lot that's showing up with her that she has created. And I kind of like that with Jennifer Coolidge because Jennifer Coolidge is also known for those kinds of mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, okay, and, and having that unusual facial structure, yeah, I can and having see that, that un- you know the eyes. Anyone you're like playing that Linda Tripp that? would look like somebody was put in a costume and wig to play yeah. Linda Tripp. Yes. Like yeah. even if you just made her look exactly Linda the Tripp same, looks like she was. Yeah, no, that, that's my point. Yeah, <laughs> she kind of reminds me of a bird. A, oh, a just, bird, just because of she has kind of that. Uh, see, her face has a sharpness, but then also the poofy hair, like the hairs, the kind of poofed and feathered, and that's why I thought Miranda. Hart. I don't know. There's something no, about I, I their get the, faces. I know. Miranda, I the Miranda Hart If argument, you put Miranda yeah. Hart in that giant fluffy wig, yes, I think work. you just, bam, you like right there. The only there. thing that worries me with her is I don't know if she does American accents. 
You know? Any British actor can do an American accent. Yeah. I feel like the <laughs> no, other no, way around. No, no, you just don't hear the ones who can't. <laughs> <laughs> and I, believe me, the British talk about this all the time. I think even, <laughs> I think even if she couldn't, mm-hmm. I think it would work because of li- everything about Linda Tripp is just so Affected. constructed and bizarre. I think if it was, because like the, the one of the big problems with Sarah Paulson is like they did. You know, they put her in a fat suit. They did a great job with the prosthetics, but it's it's so clearly Sarah Paulson because Sarah Paulson has such a distinctive voice and manner of speaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Linda Tripp has the same thing, but it's not what Sarah Paulson's doing. <laughs> <laughs> so you went, Don. You went with Joy. I went. I went Melissa Hart. I, I, uh, Joy Nash. Hart. <laughs> oh, you did. Oh, I you agree with it. Hart. Hey. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I. I. I haven't. I'll admit. I haven't seen her in a lot. But when it came to I mean, again, if we're trying to get somebody to match with a real life person, mm-hmm. I, that that was what came to mind for me. That that F- I worked. agree. Physically, she works, but knowing I have seen her in a fair amount of stuff, mm-hmm. I, I adore this woman mm-hmm. and would love to see her again. Like Nick Offerman, I'd love to see her stretch a little bit. It's interesting when we were talking about this. It really sort of under when I was going through the list of actresses, mm-hmm. it really underscored that like. Fat actresses really only seem to be able to break in through comedy. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. because it is you know. true. It is true. <laughs> there were well, there there was almost no comedic non comedic choices. Well, so. I, break in. I mean, I'm I'm so happy to see Melissa McCarthy defying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In now, I think t- at least two movies and that, that I'm aware of. God, I'm totally blanking. Nine name. Perfect Strangers. Uh, no, Shrill. Oh, um, Shrill. Yeah. Uh, Amy. Ad Bryant. Ad Bryant. Yes. Now she's able to also, like Shrill. Obviously, I think is. I think you can make the argument that it is primarily a comedy, but mm-hmm. very, lot, plenty of very it's poignant, a dramatic scenes. Yeah, it's a dramedy. It's yeah. a dramedy. Yeah. Um, and she does a fantastic job with those scenes, yeah. too. Yeah. When I, going back to Miranda Hart, she has such a distinct look where I feel like she doesn't get the opportunity yeah. to mm-hmm. be cast in things because of that. And I feel like this is the perfect opportunity because she just, there's so much there that works. And I think because of that, 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 as you know, being uh, a woman of a certain appearance in an industry yeah. where appearance is everything, mm-hmm. it's I think she could really tap into that. As Dan was saying, the, the confection of uh, Linda Tripp. So our last movie. Yeah. This is this is the big one, mm-hmm. yeah. literally and figuratively. Yeah. Um, Dune, Baron Harkonnen, um, which I, by the way, have not read or seen before. So I'm walking to this somewhat blind. And I'm the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Like I've read You've it read up read for the sequels. Can we talk about the character safely? We already have. So it's fine. Okay. Like I, and I don't feel like, I feel like Dune is in my head. The way it's constructed is already so impenetrable that it almost doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Spice something, something, <laughs> space, yeah. something, Sand, something. Sandworms. Just and, from a creative perspective this is this is the fat suit i mind least because the character's fatness is just an adjective to make it it's in just an adjective to make them worse in people's minds unfortunately like, you are right it is every <laughs> the guy is a, a he's a predator he's a pedophilia or he's a, a, what pedophile. Do you call a pedophile. pedophile pedophile thank you english is hard or pedophile as the brits <laughs> pedophile. would say 
Um, he's you know covered with warts and pus and mm-hmm. you know like any negative thing you can think of is applied to this character. So of course he's fat. Yeah, well, naturally so he's also the fat. fatness is like an afterthought to make him even worse in yeah. people's mm-hmm. minds. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind, and it's applied cosmetically. Yeah, like, I don't really mind a fat actor saying like, you know what, <laughs> maybe. You. Well, but to yeah. me, the whole point. I, I was reading this article on Jezebel about the fat suit. And it talks about that the whole point of the fat suit is we want to cast a celebrity who has an amazing body, but make the point that the character's physical body is a monster. Yeah. Right. So, so it's, they're it's meant to monstrous, it that much further. It's meant to mm-hmm. monstrousize yeah. an attractive Hollywood body. Yeah. And so from that perspective, I, I, I get your point. Yeah. I get your point. It's, you're not wrong. But I want a fat actor in that role, mm. goddammit. Now, Andrew Alexander Skarsgård is just the least, the least interesting choice well, for that role. He's, he's Stellan, a great actor. Right? It's Stellan Skarsgård. The dad. Mm-hmm. Stellan yeah. Skarsgård. I'm sorry. Stellan. Not his son. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård would be even more offensive. Even more offensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, he could actually be his son actor. <laughs> the Baron's son. Um, um, no, but uh, Stellan Skarsgård is a terrible choice, not because he's a bad actor. He's a wonderful actor. But there are a lot of wonderful actors you could have picked. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Uh, I know exactly who I want in this role. Who See, do you want in that This role? was the one, uh, you should go first again, because this is the one that I was the most no, indecisive no, no, on. No, oh, I was locked in right there away. Is only really? Okay, I'm, I'm super curious. Now we'll see if Don and I agree. Well, should, <laughs> should you guys go last then? Because mine's not going to be great. I don't think okay, I, I have. Oh, well, you go. Yeah, go. Uh, so... I like I said I was torn on this. I mean, we had a good list, and we're trying to have a different set of actors per category, so we didn't go with the first few <sighs> of the options provided. And I couldn't think of a better one. I went with Russell Crowe, mm, and it's not a bad choice. I think it's largely because I have no emotional investment in Russell Crowe as a person, so I don't mind seeing him play a despicable thing caricature like yeah. i don't i don't mind like i wouldn't lose any attachment to who i think the actor is or isn't by having it like so with russell crowe and he has you know not that it necessarily matters that much but he has put on a, a pretty considerable amount of weight in the last few years and does physically i think sit, like lives in that world a lot more than he used to i think in his earlier career he was Basically, just a regular looking dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, no, and he's a phenomenal actor. Like, he, and he is my second choice, Michael. Okay, and <laughs> I, I'm very looking forward to your first choice. I mean, he's a fantastic actor. I don't think he's done anything that I thought he was bad in, uh, except for Les Mis, But that was largely because oh, that's the, not his it was, that was his voice, and that he shouldn't have been cast. Like, he, he should, should not have, have been, been cast, cast in that. that. So anyway, I I thought he would do a good job. I wasn't necessarily in love with the idea, but I'm curious what you guys have to say, Trevor. Um, I so. <laughs> I uh, I included Guy Branham on the list because he has he has very strong feelings about this and mm-hmm. he has consistently been tweeting about it. But I went with Nick Frost. Oh, because hmm. he was my second choice. Um, I've I've been seeing him more and more, and I feel like he's aging into more serious roles. Yes. Um, was it? It's and we saw him as a villain in is it the Nevers? I'm I get I'm gonna mix up the HBO the Nevers. Show, the Nevers. Mm-hmm. And I liked seeing him as a villain. Like before I would feel like, oh, I don't really want to see him in this role. Mm-hmm. Um, but after seeing him in the Nevers, I want to see him in more villainous roles. Do you All want right. to go first or shall I go first? I think, Don, you should go first. Okay. <laughs> um, 
I went with Vincent D'Onofrio for this one. Oh, wow. Oh. Uh, that's a good choice. Not a bad I, choice at all. Ooh. I think he's perfect. And I think uh, there's a the lot going there. Shit, I should yeah. have thought of that. That's the, a much that's better a really, choice. really good. The Damn performance it. that he turned in as Kingpin mm. was impeccable. Yeah. Someone no, being you're totally right. A tremendous amount of charisma, a tremendous amount of fearfulness, intimidation mm-hmm. from what was actually sort of a mundane script in a lot of ways for, for that character. He brought it out. He did amazing mm. things with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the Harkonnen that he would do is going to be less this sort of like giggling, spinning blimp that we saw in David Lynch mm. and a more sort of focused. Um, yes. I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll give you He does menacing better yeah. than almost anybody. I, I think he would be a Harkonnen to be dealt with and, um, yeah. yeah. Okay. My turn. Mm-hmm. All right, Dan. So I, I as my, I, I really like the D'Onofrio. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a good idea. Um, the only thing missing in that for me is the Baron is gay for better or worse. And I want a gay actor in that role. Okay. And I mean, it's not just about representation, but because there is an otherness I mean, it, it may be moot to talk about otherness in a role like Baron Harkonnen because he's just <laughs> such a ridiculous over-the-top monster. <laughs> Stereotype I mean, of an archetype. I, I, I mean, it's like, like you know, I really want the otherness to come across in my Nosferatu. <laughs> Is it, you know, gilding the lily? So... But I, I think there is a gay aesthetic which is so important to Baron Harkonnen. And it, it it's just the idea of what he appreciates and what he's gone through and his whole biography and who he knows and how he knows them. And that's why, for me, it has to be Guy Branham. Okay. And most a lot of people don't know Guy Branham or they know him as, as sort of the arch host of game shows like talk show, the game show, mm-hmm. uh, or what else did he do? Um, the, the, uh, he, uh, he was in the Mindy project in the Mindy project. He's been a writer for so many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know him personally. I also know him from his stand up. He's got a, and this, this might explain my choice of him for the role. He's got a, he's got a piece in his stand up routine where he talks about careers that people might've had if they didn't do what they currently do. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things he picks for himself, if he, if he hadn't been a stand-up comedian, if he hadn't been a comedy writer, he would have picked Renaissance Pope. <laughs> as he says, I would have nailed that shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, and, as he, and he, I won't do the bit for you because I can't be as funny as he is, but it's, it's a, you're like, oh my God, that is so completely you. And there is an aspect, because you remember, as monstrous as Baron Harkonnen is, he is a baron. There is a huge royalty system here. And I I think there is a certain species of gay man who gets that sort of unofficial royalty. Mm, I can see that, yeah. I mean, the whole whole house system as as part of uh, the drag universe Mm -hmm. that uh, is so important. And, And Branham gets that. And it's important to the character. And there's so much... There is so much about the forms of royalty and the forms of Ken Lee in Dune. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I really love this idea of Branham coming in as this person that you do not, like like he would be the Renaissance Pope, the person like, you, you can't possibly be the head of the church. Look what you look like. Look what you sound like. Look what you feel like. You can't possibly be the head of a religious organization that purports to have love and joy at its center. Mm-hmm. That's who I want as my Baron Archon. <laughs> I think that's a really compelling argument. Mm-hmm. And I think that 
of most of the, you know, bevy of straight male directors in Hollywood, almost none of them, some of them, but almost none of them would have the insight to be able to think that way. Nope. And I think you're right, by the way. But nobody's going to think that but way. But none of the, like, and I, I do actually like Denis Villeneuve, or however his name's pronounced. I think he's a, a very, very good director, if not a great director. I don't think he's necessarily capable of thinking that way about a character like that. Yeah. No. I don't, and I don't think it, and, and that's a shame. Like mm-hmm. it, it's a shame because there is a really, really interesting way for that to have come out. If that, if that had been the case. Yeah. Um, but Stellan Skarsgård, he'll probably do a very good job. He'll be, it just, he'll be perfectly fine. I'm just, already very tired of Timothy Chalamet though. Like, I Oh, me too. I haven't, I'll tell you, I haven't seen a though. single goddamn th- thing he's been in and I'm he already looks, tired. He looks 15. <laughs> he's supposed he looks to be. so young. He's, that's why they cast him. Uh, I'm sure Do you he's know fantastic. how old Paul Atreides just, is? He's, no, I have no idea. He's 15. Oh, I, it's, well, Kyle McLaughlin was not, so I have a very different perspective. Yeah, no, on the no, the character is very young, just on the verge of adolescence. Mm-hmm. Like this is his, this is his sexual awakening. Mm-hmm. He really likes worms. <laughs> no, you've not read the books, have you? <laughs> I made it like 160 pages oh, into wow. the book and then realized I haven't enjoyed a single page of this. Okay, so, so you're stopped. just bad and wrong, Don. <gasps> uh, okay, well, anyway, so, so d- dear listener, <laughs> please uh, let us know uh, at the end of all of this, what, who you think would be good in these roles. Cause I'm yeah. curious. I think some, some of these I stand by and then I, I don't know. I, I think, I think it could be very fun to, to imagine these, these roles in others in different ways. Uh, which do we have a tip? I don't think we do. Uh, I don't uh, check out the nevers and, um, yeah. See Nick Frost. Also, um, why women kill the season two. Oh yeah. He's in and it's wonderful. Season two. Yeah. He's in that. He's brilliant. Nice. nice. We do have a bit today. Yes. Did Indeed. everyone do their homework? I did. I did Excellent. a bit of homework. Today's bit. <laughs> I did enough that I can think it through while you guys are going. <laughs> <laughs> since we're talking about fat characters in movies today, we figured th- there's so many movies where there are no fat characters, where maybe that movie could have been vastly improved or made a very different statement by including a fat character. Mm-hmm. So today, each of us have brought in a different movie that we're going to discuss how adding a fat character might have changed it or what we what we would have seen with a fat character in a certain movie. So since it's my idea, I'll lead us off. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to be a little bit, a little blatant with mine um, and just say like if the X-Men movies, mm-hmm. I think would have been changed radically if Rogue was a fat character. Oh, oh that's, that's genius. Good. That's genius. That's good. Um, because, so for people who aren't familiar. Oh God, yes. Uh, Rogue is a character that, her power is to touch someone and take everything that they are into herself, their abilities, their thoughts, their memories. Um, and it, that power comes between her and everyone else. And initially it's against her. It's out of her control. It's out of her control. Mm -hmm. She has no way to control it. I don't think in the movies she ever learns how to control it. Um, I don't, I think think you're right though. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but it, it becomes this, this wall that she builds between herself and other people. Well, because she literally can't touch someone without harming them. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it becomes it becomes everything to her. Mm-hmm. It, it consumes her life. Yeah, and it she puts it between her and, and she has to cover else. herself. She has mm-hmm. to physically yeah. cover because it's skin touch. Like she can yeah. have gloves on, and to that end, she has to completely like cover her body, her hands, like everything. She has yeah. to basically hide. And in a franchise that talks about being the other mm-hmm. and how it feels to be ostracized and how it feels to be cast out. 
it's weird to me that the only fat character we ever see is the blob, which mm-hmm. is just another sort of caricature of fat people. Oh, um, it doesn't even rise to the level of character. Yeah. <laughs> so if rogues, if rogue was a fat character, I feel like the inclusiveness towards fat people that, that everything we've described mm-hmm. in that character is the way I feel like I'll, I know I, as a fat man have felt it's in my life. It's really good. And how much more powerful would a love story be if someone mm-hmm. that she didn't, believe would be attracted to her worked that much more mm-hmm. to get through to her. Yep. Like that, I, that would blow my mind. Yep. Mm. Yeah. That it's not just, well, she's the pretty girl. So of course I want to have sex with her. Oh wait. Right. Oh wait, I can't. Oh, but no, <laughs> but we can't have physical, like, you know, that's it. That's, I think it's already a good, you know, a good story, but I think this is like so much better. Mm. No, yeah. That's good. Don. So I think better. that'd be an improvement. So. That'd be a huge, that'd be so compelling. You could do a whole, yeah, you could, could and should do a whole movie about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We should write that. Um, so a movie immediately popped into my head for this. That movie is The Devil Wears Prada. Yes. yes. Oh. And I think, sure, I think it could <laughs> be amazing either um, if you replaced Anne Hathaway or Emily Blunt. And I think it would be two. Mm. I think it would be e- either way. They would be completely different, but I like the dynamic of, you know, Andy is a fat girl trying to bust in Mm -hmm. and trying to be seen and trying to seem competent or um, the character of Emily suddenly having this, you know, thin girl kind of come in and is just upstaging her and she works so hard and she's so passionate about this industry. I I like that version. Mm -hmm. I I like like that that version. And I would also want the movie to be rewritten where she's the lead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the movie I would want to watch, and and that idea of like how you know the, the, the telling the Anne Hathaway character how dare you not care about this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how dare you not care, how dare you have so it's much that privilege, pretty privilege, exactly. how dare you have so much privilege that you don't even need to care about this. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be that would be good. Yeah. I think that's the version, but it I would like have it. to be like rewritten, reinterpreted. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think there's there's teeth there. That's good. I like it. That's very compelling. Michael. Cool. All right, so mine, I bounced around on a few ideas, but the one I landed on was The Matrix oh. and Neo. And the reason why is because, like, once you sort of get pulled out of The Matrix, like, I think every representation of a person outside of The Matrix looks almost exactly the same as they do in The Matrix. Like, that's, yeah, it's sort mm-hmm. of like how you imagine yourself. But the reason why I like this is if, if Neo were fat, like, the whole point of being in the matrix is that you can do whatever you imagine yourself to be able to do. If you're Neo, if you're Mm -hmm. Neo. And then even if you're not, you can still push the boundaries beyond, you know, what we would consider to be real or physically possible. And I really like the idea of a fat Neo where his journey isn't just, you're the chosen one. It's you are capable of anything Mm -hmm. coming from a life, the normal life where that is absolutely the opposite. Yeah. And I think that could be a really like a more compelling version of that journey. I see that. Yeah. And then also the experience of having that, having to give that up when you leave the matrix and like not necessarily all of it, but just some of the perception things that you can overcome in the matrix easily because you're the one you have to work at it differently outside the matrix. Do you see him being initially like, you know, movie one, scene one, is he fat in both worlds or is- I think so. Mm-hmm. I think he's fat in both worlds. And I, I batted around the idea of like, cause you don't really see them. I don't think they play with the idea of like looking different in and out of the matrix. 
at all. Besides except haircut. For war, except for wardrobe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. besides haircut mm-hmm. and wardrobe. So I, they don't do that, and I kind of wonder if that was like a rule of the universe or Thursday. And I was like, I think it is more compelling if he's fat in and out of, and that doesn't change. And it's more it's more just a, it's like a contemplation on what is your power? Like, yeah. what is your power and does it matter if you're not in the matrix doing superhuman things? Yeah, and do you choose to be thin in the matrix if you can be? If you could, mm-hmm. if you could just make yourself exactly and you could explore mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Yeah. And I think that would be interesting. That's interesting. Well, that kind of dovetails into my premise slash quandary. Mm-hmm. So you guys know the movie world so much better than I do. So I want some help. Okay. So here's what I want. Kind of like in the vein of what Michael was talking about. I was initially what I was thinking about was like early James Bond. So okay. before it was, before we get to like Mission Impossible and Tom Cruise falling off of maces, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. before before that, you just have Sean Connery with a cool car and a handsome gun and a hairy chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. suppose. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> oh, he does. Oh, he does. He does. But or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, I never really thought much about that. Uh-huh. Uh, but you have you have Sean Connery in like Doctor No or Goldfinger, where you know the stunts are pretty low key, so it's not you know he he doesn't have to be an astronaut too. Mm-hmm. And what I was thinking is, I want a fat character in the realm of something like James Bond where almost his, his superpower or his, his, the reason he is so valuable to the enterprise is because he is constantly never mistaken for the hero. He couldn't be the spy and he couldn't be competent and he couldn't be any of these things that we expect James Bond to be, which is exactly what allows him to succeed on every single mission because of people's constant hmm. underestimation of him. Uh, this is spy, isn't it? Well, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. And then I thought, okay, but but I want it to be, and then I thought of like, but is there a superhero aspect to it? Like, do we go to the mm-hmm. X-Men or X-Men-ish universe where there's superpowers? But I really, I was thinking something in the vein of Tinker, Tinker Taylor's Soldier, Soldier Spy. spy. Where it's, it's, but being able to do these phenomenal things. And maybe that is Spy, because I haven't seen that Is movie. that, you haven't seen Spy? I haven't seen Spy. With Melissa McCarthy? I haven't. Oh, oh, you should watch that. So um, maybe, I would, maybe I just picked Spy. <laughs> is that? You, you sure? did just make Spy. Is that, I, I'm trying to remember. I've she is, she's an analyst for James Bond, basically. Right. And he's the super spy, but she's got all the skill set, but no one will let her out of, the loaner letter out of the office. Yeah. So when she finally gets to go out of the office, she's very competent. Well, she does. but the, I think the twist and what I'm trying to remember is like what Dan's saying is like everyone on the outside underestimates them. And that is their, like th- that is played to their advantage at like, that's the point. And yeah. I think in her case, everyone underestimates her, but she still overcomes it in the traditional spy way of like being yes. a badass. I'm trying to think of, for example, this is a trope that we see often in movies where you have the pretty girl who, I mean, a a lot of alias works this way where you have the pretty girl who is taken at face value for just being pretty, you know, but she's a karate expert or this pretty (laughs) girl, but she uses that to wrap men around her finger and she can get what she needs. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's sort of that idea. I can't think of a really good. So this popped into my head and I was, what about catch me if you can. Oh, and it's not, it's this, it's almost the inverse where it's like, it's not Leonardo DiCaprio, but it's just that he is almost invisible to people. Because he's the fat kid. Yeah. 
and people aren't paying that much attention to him. Bingo. I could see that. Bingo. That's that's my movie. Catch me as you can. Catch me if you can. Yeah, yeah that would be that would be because, and then because the, the, the porn parody is easy. You just make the Tom Hanks character an actual chaser. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, which has problems if he's fifteen. <laughs> well, uh, what are your ideas? Yeah, I, there's a lot of stuff. I, I'm curious. I'm sure are we have based on the response to the Hulk. Uh, yeah, pitches, I think we'll get some good. I think we'll get some. I, some where could they go to give us their responses, Trevor? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> We're on Instagram and Twitter as at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Leave us five stars there. Five stars, no less. Yes, five stars. <laughs> uh, write us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Five pod- stars, no less. <laughs> and Podchaser. See the articles we talked about at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Yay. Um, maybe you're at home about to watch one of these movies we talked about. Oh, God. Uh, but the good versions. <laughs> our versions. Um, oh, our versions. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> You're, you're going to turn it on, but then a, a hat flies and knocks the remote out of your hand. And it's... Uh, I think it's, it knocks the hand out of your hand. And it's Jared Leto. <laughs> it's Jared Leto in a fat suit. It's odd job because everything's terrible. Because that's what he got. That's what so, he got going on. Watch out. <laughs>